you talk about a canary in the coal mine here, gentlemen, if the first Latina ever elected to the U.S. Senate and the only one cannot hold the Hispanic vote to those numbers, uh, she's in big trouble. In recent years, the state of Nevada has turned increasingly blue. That could all change this year as Republicans seek to recapture a lot of lost ground in a place where nothing is a sure bet. From Ballard Studios, it's 13th in Park. The future doesn't belong to the faint heart. There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. We will make America strong again. We will get through this together. I can hear John Ralston is one of America's best-known journalists and prognosticators, whose opinion is widely followed by national media and especially by the hospitality and gaming industry in Nevada, which is responsible for generating billions of dollars in revenue and over 350,000 jobs. Ralston, who graduated from Cornell and Michigan, has worked for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, the Las Vegas Sun, and the Reno Gazette-Journal today. Rawson runs the Nevada Independent, which covers government and politics and is a must-read for everybody that's interested in that in and beyond the state. But there's a burning question we're going to ask John today, probably right off the bat. He was raised in Buffalo, so we have to ask John, are you a Buffalo Bills fan or are you a Raiders fan? Uh, Bills forever. I've been a Bills (laughs) fan, painfully so, for more than 50 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I, I go into every game with my fingers crossed. (laughs) Well, hopefully this year will be the year. John, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Let's start off with the U.S. Senate race. I saw an analysis by 538 that said that Democrats have a 70% plus chance of retaining control of the U.S. Senate if the Democrats win Nevada Senate race, and the Republicans have a 70% chance of winning control of the U.S. Senate if the Republicans win the U.S. Senate race. So it's a race that the entire country is watching. We're very fascinated with the two candidates that you have there. You have an incumbent versus a challenger in Laxalt. What's the most important dynamic at this point in the race that you see that will affect the outcome of that race? See, I put, guys, I put polls aside at this point because I do a very detailed analysis of early voting here in Nevada, uh, and because it's more predictive than it is in other states because so many people vote before election day, it's usually about two thirds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last cycle, it was 90%, so election uh, day means less. So I go by uh, votes that have been cast as opposed to polls, all of which uh, show the race being a dead heat. And so the turnout so far after nine of the 14 days gone in early and mail voting shows that this is going to be a very close race. (laughs) It shows that in a midterm, the Democrats are holding their own, but the Republicans have to be happy that the Democrats only have about a 3% statewide lead in the voting and they will win election day probably. So it's close. How does that compare to previous elections or midterms, if you know what the comparison is, that 3% lead? Is that normally where it is, or is it normally a little bit more than that? I'll tell you that in a second. But but first, let me just say, I've been saying since I started doing the analysis this year, it feels like this 
is an apple year and all the rest are oranges. So I'm not <laughs> sure if any analogy is correct. Let me tell you why I say that. This is only the second cycle in which Nevada has sent every voter a mail ballot. We did that in 2020. And so I think you can you can use the analogy of voting patterns, if not volume of turnout uh, from 2020. But the real, the best analogy is 2018, uh, the last midterm, when again, you had a very competitive Senate race and a very competitive gubernatorial race, as we mm -hmm. do uh, this time. The turnout looks a lot like 2018 uh, right now. The Democrats had a small statewide lead, but still managed to do very, very well uh, when all was said and done, they won both those races. On the other hand, in 2018, uh, the presence of Donald Trump, uh, even though he wasn't on the ballot, was everywhere. And that drove a lot of Democrats right. to the polls and helped push that Senate and gubernatorial candidate over the hump. This cycle, of course, we have Biden's numbers being very, very low, including below 40 percent, even in Democratic polls here uh, in Nevada. That's a real drag on those at the top of the ticket. It seems that in Nevada, if you're a Democrat, the goal is maximize the margin in Clark County, Las Vegas, try to minimize the damage in the rural counties. And then you come down to Washu. And that county is the ultimate bellwether county, if you want to look at the last 20 odd years in America. It's so much on base that not only did it vote for the winning presidential contender from 2004 on through 2020. In 2000, in that county, it was 50-50, just like the, the whole campaign was, which went down, of course, to the recount in Florida. Adam Laxall comes from Washoe. Is that an advantage for him? And is that county, as you know, if you're advising people on how to look at Nevada on election night, is that county the one to watch? You know, one thing I have to say before I answer that question is I really love it when I'm interviewed by people outside of Nevada who really have done their homework and get it. Uh, everything you just said uh, is, is right on. Washoe is the swing county, and Adam Laxalt is from, I mean, he essentially grew up in Washington, D.C., uh, and just moved back to Nevada about a decade ago to run for office. Mm. So, Adam Laxalt is not Paul Laxalt, his grandfather, who was from uh, northern Nevada and did very well in Washoe County. At the risk of taking this a little bit too far, this is not your grandfather's Washoe County. <laughs> it has changed. It has mm -hmm. changed in the way that you indicated. It used to be reliably red, but Democrats have done very, very well. And Adam Laxalt, despite being from Washoe County, right. lost Washoe County to Steve Sisolak in the governor's race in 2018. This is the key county for Laxall and the other uh, Democratic uh, and Republican contenders. The Democrats have to hold their own in Washoe County or they're likely to lose in these major races, including the Senate and gubernatorial race. Let me tell you what the voting shows right so far. The Republicans have a 1.5% or so registration edge in Washoe County. The Democrats, though, have about a 3% edge after nine days in early voting, uh, which you might think bodes well for them holding their own. Uh, and those are certainly not red wave numbers the Republicans can feel good about in Washoe County. 
but it's also true that this is not a presidential election. And so we don't know how many ticket splitters uh, there are going to be. And will Adam Laxalt run stronger or weaker up there than Joe Lombardo, who was the sheriff of Clark County and the mm. Republican candidate for governor? Uh, and so it, it looks as if it's going to be landslide loss for the Democrats in rural Nevada, as you mentioned. How many votes there are there is always uh, the question. And Clark County, which has 70% of the vote, a Democrat needs to win by about 10 points there to feel good. Biden won by just under 10 points and won the state by two and a half points. Right, uh, right now, the, 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 the Democrats only have a nine and a half percent registration lead. It's the lowest it's been in many decades. And so there's reasons for concern there. And so I know I'm not illuminating much for you, except to say it's going to be close. Well, one of the quotes from a Senator, the incumbent Senator Cortez Masto, she recently said, it's not just kitchen table issues. So I'm curious, has she been successful in trying to drive the campaign conversation away from those kitchen table economic issues or not? Yeah, think about that statement, though, yeah. right? Uh, it's not about kitchen table issues. In other words, it's not what you think they're about, voters. Right. Let me tell you what, what, what this election is really about. And, of course, uh, they don't want to talk about that uh, because Adam Laxalt, in every breath he takes when he mentions Catherine Cortez Masto, mentions Joe Biden. Uh, and, and there's obviously a reason for that. And Biden's numbers, as I said, are bad here. Inflation is bad here. Gas prices here are some of the highest... Uh, in America. So Catherine Cortez Masto wants to change the subject every chance she can. And so she's trying to change it to two different subjects. One is the obvious one uh, that you gentlemen are aware of, and that's abortion. Nevada is a pro-choice state. Adam Laxalt is pro-life. And so Catherine Cortez Masto was trying to drive turnout based on the abortion issue, both in, in uh, her own appearances and in her media. She's also using an issue that I didn't think really enough people cared about, but her polling shows they do, which is uh, election denial, election fraud, and the fake conspiracies that Adam Laxalt as the front man for the Trump campaign in 2020 spread here in Nevada. They're using that issue too. Uh, they don't want to talk about inflation. They don't want to talk about gas prices. They don't want Joe Biden to come to Nevada. Uh, <laughs> but they, they do want to change the subject. One issue that you didn't put in your list is crime. You look at the governor's race and you have the sheriff of Clark County up against the incumbent governor, Sisolak. Is crime one of those wedge issues, not just in that race, but potentially in the U.S. Senate race as well? It is. Uh, I, you know, how much impact it will have is, is, is unclear. Let's talk about the governor's race, because having crime be a key issue in the governor's race when one of the candidates is the sheriff right. of the largest county is an interesting dynamic when the governor, of course, is going to try to uh, use statistics uh, from Clark County to blame the sheriff of Clark County for higher violent crime rates, uh, even though crime generally has gone down during Joe Lombardo's tenure. And Joe Lombardo has tried to use policies passed from the state by the legislature and signed by the governor, too permissive, too progressive to argue that he is responsible for the crime going up. One of the best moments of the campaign, and you gentlemen will appreciate this, is that Joe Lombardo got endorsed by Donald Trump. And then Donald Trump came here for an event right after the primary and stood next to Joe Lombardo, who was the sheriff of Clark County, and said the following. 
This is a cesspool of crime here in Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Uh, uh, stop helping, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> Only reality television, right, John? Exactly. Well, John, so uh, just following up on that, uh, really two questions. One, we just asked about crime. Uh, what impact is the immigration issue having on this race? And then I guess the second question is, What's happening with Hispanic voters this year? Is the Republican are the Republican candidates doing better amongst Hispanics than in previous years? Obviously, for those who don't have a map handy, Nevada is not a border state. However, <laughs> uh, we we do have a lot of undocumented immigrants, and immigration is almost always an issue in major races. Uh, here. Uh, Adam Laxalt has been using the usual Republican rhetoric against Catherine Cortez Masto. She's for open borders. Look at the disaster that the border is. He went down there and, and did some media opportunities down there. Um, immigration doesn't show up as a top issue in polling, but can it be enough of an issue in the same way that you could look at abortion to drive enough voters who believe in that as their major issue to the polls? We're going to find out. Uh, and that, of course, dovetails with the Hispanic vote, which I think a lot of people misunderstand as Hispanics always think of immigration as the main issue. It's not. They're worried about inflation and high gas prices, just like you and I are. And so I have never seen in all the years I've covered politics here, three and a half decades, the Republicans invest as much in Spanish language media as they have this time in the Senate race. The Club for Growth, an outside Republican group, has invested $2 million at least in Spanish language media, which means that they see the polls, they see the national switch from Hispanics, not switch, but moving at least towards the Republican Party. Traditionally in Nevada, which has a very large Hispanic population, more than a quarter of the population can be as much as a fifth of the vote, uh, they traditionally have gone with the Democrats by two to one or so. That's, that's, that's how Obama helped, helped Obama win the state twice, Hillary win the state, and to a lesser extent, Joe Biden win the state last time. Uh, but there's polling that shows that may not happen. And you talk about a canary in the coal mine here, gentlemen. If the first Latina ever elected to the U.S. Senate and the only one cannot hold the Hispanic vote to those numbers, she's in big trouble. I think she needs to get at least 60 percent with Hispanics to feel good. I, I think maybe even a little bit more than that. There have been almost no polls that show her uh, with 60 percent. Her internal polling, I think, does. Uh, but, you know, polls are only as good as how they model the turnout that's going to occur. And so we'll see what that looks well, like. Well, that, be that begs the question, why isn't she doing better amongst Hispanic voters there? Well, if that's true, and again, uh, uh, we're basing that on polling. And for right. instance, the most recent poll that I've seen, by the way, is a New York Times poll uh, that shows her ahead 51-43 among Hispanics, and yet the race is tied, which doesn't compute to me. If, she's, if she only gets 51% of Hispanics, she is going to lose this race unless something very strange is going on. Why isn't she doing better? If she is not, it's because uh, there's two factors in this. Catherine Cortez Masto has never been one to get out there and seek publicity. She's more of a workhorse than a show horse, sometimes, I think, to her political detriment. And she has rarely worn the, the, the first Latina ever elected her Hispanic heritage on her sleeve. 
She's starting to a little bit more now, obviously, as the election uh, gets closer. But I think those two things go into why she might have soft support among Hispanics. When you think about Clark County and Clark County politics, at least as an outsider, John, usually you you jump to the unions, and the unions now represent apparently about 161,000 uh, workers. And the culinary union in particular, which I think represents about 60,000 workers, they're all in for blue, right? They're all in between, you know, behind Governor Sisolak and Senator Masto and the Democratic legislature. They're all in. Is there maybe a turning of the of the tables here and that the power of unions, especially in Clark County, which was, I think, a given uh, in delivering and delivering big. Might that be lessening, especially in the teeth of an economy where a lot of people, a lot of working families are taking it on the chin? We're going to find out. Uh, you rightly point to the culinary union, which has, uh, as you said, about 60,000 members and has been essentially the engine of Democratic turnout in Clark County for m- many cycles and in, in concert with the machine that was created by the late Harry Reid to, to register voters and then get them to the polls. The culinary has done a lot of pre-election boasting about how this is their biggest uh, effort ever, that they are going to save the Democrats, essentially, is what they have said. And they are going all out. Uh, The question is whether they can get enough Democrats to the polls, inveterate Democrats to the polls. Now, you know, if you have a captive audience, as a union does, and many, many members, as you can go into the union hall with your mail ballot and go through here is who the uh, union endorses and help workers fill out their ballots. I'm not saying they're all robots, but they're going to listen to their leaders to a great extent. That gives them a big advantage. There has been a sizable advantage so far in mail balloting from from the Democrats. How much the culinary is responsible for that, we can't know quite yet. But if the culinary doesn't get the vote out the way it claims, uh, a lot of Democrats are going to lose. And by the way, this also cannot be separated from the Hispanic vote, since the culinary union is more than half Hispanic and essentially has been the Hispanic turnout machine in Clark County. If Cortez Mastro wins, why will she win? And if Laxalt wins, what would be the predominant reason uh, in each of those two scenarios? That's a really interesting question for this reason. Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, by the observers on both sides, has run perhaps the best campaign in Nevada. She has been very disciplined. Her media has been excellent. On the other side, Adam Laxalt, if he wins, it is going to be because this is a bad year for Democrats in Nevada and elsewhere, because there is a wave of sorts, at least partially, helping pull him across uh, the finish line. If Catherine Cortez Masto holds on, it will be because the Democratic turnout machine, the so-called Reed machine, uh, can operate even without Harry Reid around and get enough people to the polls and buck these obvious headwinds that they're facing and save her. Looking forward, I mean, what an interesting year this year in Nevada politics. What should those of us uh, outside of the state be looking? What trends should we be looking for in the coming years in terms of whether the state will continue to be purple or will it stay and revert back to uh, a, a more of a shade of blue? 
It's funny because after the 2016 election, when the Democrats swept everything, I essentially wrote a column saying it looks like Nevada is going to be a blue state. And it wasn't the Republicans who were mad at me. It was the Democrats. They said, Hmm. stop saying that. We're not going to get any outside attention or money. Uh, It turns out it probably wasn't true anyhow, since we are still purple. Um, Who could have predicted what would happen with the Trump effect? But listen, um, the demographic changes here indicate that we are going to remain a purple state uh, for some time. Now, I may be selfish in saying that because I want uh, as much attention on Nevada (laughs) as possible, but it sure seems like we're going to be purple for a while. It's purple, and yet, you know, both U.S. senators are Democrat. The governor, Lieutenant Governor AG, Democrat. Three of the four members of the House are Democrat. The House, State House and Senate are majority Democrat. So you look at the lineup and you say, oh, this is a blue state. But it doesn't vote that way. And you look at the presidential returns for the last umpteen years, John, it proves your point that it's really purple. But right now, the purple is shading blue. You said it right. The Democrats dominate offices uh, in this state. And that that is one reason that I thought that maybe we were staying blue. But if you look at the presidential numbers, even though Democrats have won here in the last uh, cycles, uh, it has been slowly eroding. Uh, The margin has been slowly diminishing for Democrats at the presidential level, and the Democratic registration edge in Nevada has been slowly eroding. Uh, Let's see if that keeps happening. Independent registration has also surged for a variety of different reasons. And, you know, I think it's going to depend on a lot of things, including what happens in the 2024 presidential race, which could change everything. We can't wait, John, to get your analysis when it's all said and done. At that point, you'll be 100% accurate on everything because the known will be known. (laughs) We thank you for being on the show. John Ralston, journalist, prognosticator, and now we've had it affirmed, a Buffalo Bills fan. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, John. My pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Well, Adam, I think we just got a masterclass on Nevada politics from John Ralston, who's been covering that state for over two decades. And really some fascinating observations got into the weeds a little bit in terms of the demographics within the state and the geography of the state. And you asked him that great question about Washoe County being the true bellwether there. And also important, the margin of victory that's necessary for the Democrats in Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is. in Washoe County, and I had to do my homework. I mean, again, John Rawson's a walking encyclopedia on all this in Nevada. Apparently, they're, they're projecting $25 million or more will be spent on television ads alone in and directed at Washoe County. Now, let me put that in perspective. It's a one-market town, Reno, which is like a medium-sized television market. $25 million is enough probably to buy one television station there, much less (laughs) a campaign. That's how much media is going at that swing area. And you heard John say that on his scorecard, he would rate Senator Cortez Masto's campaign and her media above that of Adam Laxalt. That may be a big differentiator here. Well, you know what's fascinating when you think about it? If the control of the U.S. Senate goes the way the Nevada uh, Senate race goes, 
the voters around Reno, Nevada, could decide who controls the U.S. Senate, which yeah. is fascinating. So those those voters have a really important decision to make, and they're getting a lot of information about it. Uh, I also thought just globally or more at a more macro level, it was just fascinating, the conversation we had towards the end about the trend line in Nevada in terms of the presidential vote Get the margin for the Democratic nominee getting smaller and smaller. Donald mm-hmm. Trump came came close to winning that state in 2020, which is pretty remarkable because no Republican has won that state in the presidential election since George W. Bush did during his re-election campaign in 2004 after 9-11. So uh, I, that's something that, that I think bears watching uh, going forward in terms of the, the voter registration in that state. That gap is narrowing between Democrats mm-hmm. and Republicans. The significant Hispanic population you have in that state. And the reason I find it fascinating is, again, we've talked about this before on this show, the conventional wisdom was always that the more diverse America became, the more challenging of a country it was going to be for Republicans to to do well in the campaigns on election day. And I think Nevada is uh, contrary to that conventional wisdom. He was very interesting when he addressed the idea of certainty, we'll call it. Talked about polls. And he basically said, I'm not sure we should trust in any of these polls right now. This could be a completely new idea that we're about to see early vote, we'll call it, and election day vote could overwhelm all that and that the Democrats who have voted so far aren't necessarily in unison with each other about who to support. Look, if I were a Democrat in Nevada, I would not be happy with a 3% margin in terms of more Democrats voting than Republicans in early voting. I think they need to have a much larger margin for that, even though he told us that two-thirds of voters will vote before Election Day, because I think the Election Day voters are going to be much more lopsided uh, in favor of registered Republicans showing up on Election Day and voting. Uh, So that that 3% margin that Democrats have would not give me any comfort if I were a Democrat. So, you know, again, we we all try to read the tea leaves into these numbers. Right. Really hard to say. But right. uh, if I were the Laxalt campaign, I would I would be OK. Or if I were the Republicans in, in, in Nevada, I would be OK with those numbers right now. Well, you cited 538, you know, which is a, a much watched barometer on polls and what they mean. Two things from that group. One is they point out that the presidential party, in this case, the Democratic Party, their numbers tend to get worse, not better, as they move very close and into election day. That's just an historical kind of reality, uh, at least to this moment, for them to, to consider. And with all that said, you and I have now covered four of the swing states, Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And according to 538, it is a virtual toss-up still. So if nothing else, I advise everyone... Get your rest now. Tuesday night and probably Wednesday morning and maybe beyond is going to be a bit of a long slog as we try to decipher what it is America actually voted for and who will be moving forward and representing us both in and beyond Washington, D.C. Another great guest, another great show. Look forward to the next one. Don't miss future episodes by following us on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast platforms, or go to the YouTube channel where you can subscribe for free. From Ballard Studios, it's 13th and Park. <laughs>